Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your heart story. I'm your host, Angie Bauman. I'm a pastor and Bible teacher, founder of Steady On Ministries, and creator of the Step-by-Step Bible Study Method. And this show is a slight adjustment to our regular format as we pause to offer a special series that recognizes the season of Advent. On Mondays, our Take It In episode will unpack a verse of scripture related to the Advent candles of hope, peace, joy, and love. And on Wednesdays, our Live It Out episode will invite you into a conversation with a guest who shares testimony about the transformation they've received as they study the Bible. Advent means coming, and as you await the Christmas Day celebration of Christ's coming, our goal is that these episodes will increase your awareness of the hope, peace, joy, and love offered to you in a relationship with Jesus and stir your desire to connect with those gifts through studying the Bible. Thank you for tuning in, my friend. Please know I create this show with you in mind, and I'm so very, very glad you are here. Let's get started. Welcome, friend. Today, we are going to continue in and finish up our Advent series that focused us in on the four Advent candles, and we are going to take it in with 1 John 4, 8 using my step-by-step Bible study method. You will find links to a study sheet as well as videos for the step-by-step masterclass in today's show notes if you'd like to learn more. 1 John 4, 8 in the NLT, today our candle is going to be love, but 1 John 4, 8 says this, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. A book overview of 1 John teaches us that it is a letter, probably written by the Apostle John. The date of the writing is around AD 85. And the audience for the letter was a network of smaller congregations or house churches that shared theological heritage and historical roots, and they had been confronted with a split over false teaching. Okay, so what was the false teaching that was giving them so much trouble? I found this information in the IVP New Testament Commentary series, and it says those who left the community, they were called secessionists, they apparently held the view that those who were the children of God attained a spiritual status by being born of God that not only delivered them from the guilt and power of sin, but actually rendered them sinless. They claimed to be without sin and to have attained a state of perfect righteousness. So John is writing to affirm that, yes, children of God have received the gift of God's salvation, but he's writing to say he disagrees with Anyone who declares that being saved or being a child of God means that there's no demands on the way that they live or that it means they've ceased to need forgiveness. So he's writing this letter to address that split or that acceptance of the false teaching. Chapter four, where we are focusing today, has 21 verses, and we are hanging out in the part that talks about the call to love. So one more time, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And that's 1 John 4, 8. Step one in the Bible study method is to choose our word. And our word today, as I already said, is love. The definition of love is a profound and caring affection towards someone or a feeling of care and mercy towards people. Some synonyms are things like devotion, affection, intimacy, fondness, favor, interest, warmth, zeal. Some antonyms are words like resentment, scorn, neglect, repulsion, apathy, anguish, angst. Isn't it so interesting to try to define and 
think about synonyms and antonyms to a word like love, that we're so familiar with that love. We use it probably every day. And yet when you really sit with it and try to put a definition around it, for me, when I was doing this, I'm like, well, it just feels lacking. Like, I know that that is what the definition is, but it just feels lacking. It's like, it's not enough, which is why I think it's so fun to, to study the words, the antonyms. There were a couple of them that really made me pause. The idea of resentment was a tough one for me. That can be a go-to negative emotion for me. I can be resentful. I can hang on to resentment. And the idea that that blocks me from being the loving person that I want to be was convicting and correcting for me. I heard that. And the other one that troubled me in that antonym list was apathy. You know, apathy is this like complete lack of emotion or motivation about a person. They just don't care. And the idea that someone that I loved could be apathetic toward me, just really like I could just feel the heaviness in my heart. It broke my heart. Step two in the method is investigate. We divide that up into four parts. Part one is to compare our word in other translations. And in several other Bibles, I found the word charity, but that's the only word that I found that was different than love. Part two is to research the original word. The Strong's number is G26, and it is agape, which means love or affection or benevolence. And it's from another word that means to love in a social or moral sense. And I thought this was interesting because there are several Greek words for love in the New Testament, but I found this note. It said, compared with other Greek words for love, agape, the one that we're focused on today, is the deliberate assent of the will as a matter of principle, duty, and propriety. Ooh, tough for me to say, propriety. (laughs) It is chiefly a love of the head rather than the heart. Mm, I thought that was so interesting because sometimes we love out of decision, right? We decide to love. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves what we're going to do, even though we don't feel like doing something that's loving. Matt and I have been married a long time, 25 years now, and I love Matt more now than when I married him. Mm. And I was going to say, but, and then I decided to say, and, and there have been times when I loved him because I decided to, we all hit rough seasons, whether you're married, whether it's in parenting, it can be close friendships. It can be parent child. Every day is not wonderful and blissful, right? And so sometimes you just decide I'm going to do the loving thing. And that's the kind of love that we're learning about here. This decision that, not that we don't feel it in our hearts. It can be both. It's it's just the greatest when it's both. But sometimes we don't feel it in our hearts, but we still do it. We make the decision to do it because that's what love is sometimes. It's bigger. It's bigger than our feelings. Part three in the investigate step is to read some commentary. First, a couple of things from the enduring word. It says, love describes the character and heart of God. He is so rich in love and compassion that it can be used to describe his very being. It's the essence, right? It's just actually the core. God is love. And then also in the enduring word, it says, when we say God is love, we're not saying everything about God. Love is an essential aspect of his character, 
and colors every aspect of his nature, but it does not eliminate his holiness, his righteousness, or his perfect justice. Instead, we know the holiness of God is loving, and the righteousness of God is loving, and the justice of God is loving. Everything God does in one way or another expresses his love. I thought that note was just beautiful. I loved that commentary note. One more thing from the Enduring Word. There are few people who really know and really believe that God is love. For whatever reason, they won't receive his love and let it transform their lives. It transforms our life to know the love of God in this way. That is something that makes me pause because I i mean, I've been in that category so many times. It's been so hard for me to overcome the lies of the enemy in my head, in my heart, and to align myself and to believe that God loves me the way he does. You know, I've had conversations with people a couple of different times where they've just paused and said, I just have this overwhelming feeling right now of God's love for you. Like I can remember my good friend, Susie, who co-hosts this show with me from time to time. She's one of those people like right away. One of the first things, one of the first times that we were together, Susie said to me, I am so aware of God's love for you. And I think back even just in the last couple of years of how much I wanted to feel that, how much I wanted to stay in that and how really difficult it was for me because of all the shame that I was carrying. As I've continued to experience healing and release from layers of shame, I am more and more in touch with how much God does love me. And it does fill me with just this amazing sense of the other things we've been talking about during this Advent series. It fills me with hope from week one. It fills me with peace from week two. It fills me with joy from last week. And I am so grateful that I'm growing enough in my spiritual walk that I can feel and experience God's immense love for me. I want that for you, my friend. I want that for you this Christmas, but I want it for you always. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says, since God is love, intimate acquaintance with him will produce love. And I think that's been one of the main keys for me as I've continued to devote myself to studying him, studying him through his word, spending time with him. It's just nearly a non-negotiable in my life. I regularly spend time with him. And as I am more and more acquainted with him, as I know him better, I can't help but feel his love because that's what happens right? That's what happens. Psalm 34, five, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces will never be covered with shame. They're radiant. They sparkle. The Hebrew word says they sparkle because as we look to him, we see the love. We feel the love that he has for us. And it's really hard to hold our heads down in shame when we know we are loved. Part four in the investigate step is to rewrite the verse in our own words. Here it is one more time from the original translation. We're in the NLT today. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And I wrote my rewrite like this. If I am not demonstrating care and compassion to myself and others, then I am not truly connected to God because he will infuse me with his care and compassion in a way that motivates, requires, and nearly forces me to extend to others what he has extended to me. And as I was just saying, sometimes the others is myself. Sometimes it's 
ourselves. It's not humility not to love ourselves. It's really a lack of surrender and trust that he is who he says he is. He is faithful. He is loving. And he loves us. He loves you, my friend. Step three in the method is to find the characteristics of God. Of course, I wrote love. Of course, he's love. This deep affection and rich mercy towards me. I am his creation. He calls me good. He loves me. That's really important for us to know. But then I also wrote that he's a spur. And I wrote that because in Hebrews 10, 24, it says, spur one another on to love and to do good deeds. And I, I've thought of this verse and this idea that God is a spur because he's loving me. And as he loves me, I'll feel this stirring, this spurring, if you will, to try and imitate his love in my relationships, right? He loves me when I'm not easy to love. Therefore, I am equipped to love others sometimes when they're not easy to love. Step four is to identify the lie, the half-truths of the enemy. And this stood out to me. Oh, this is hard for me to say, but I put God doesn't really love you. God isn't really love. Look around you. Does what's happening in your life on this planet really indicate the one in charge is love and light? We have to ask ourselves, do we believe his promise that God is love? And if we do, and if and when we're struggling to believe it, accept it, live by it, do we look for evidence of his promise? There are certainly things in this world and there are things in my life and yours that are difficult, that are confusing, that are chaotic. In those places where we struggle, where do we still see the faithfulness of a loving God? Just like that commentary note said, everything God does is loving. His faithfulness to us is loving. His presence with us is loving. Even his refining, his correction, his pruning, it's all done in love. And so even in the places that we're struggling, especially in the places that we're struggling, are we looking for his love demonstrated in our life? Finally, step five is called So What? Where we take note of a key takeaway. And I put mine like this. If I'm struggling to love, I can check my connection with God. It won't be nearly as difficult to behave in ways that are loving towards others when I'm filled up with his love for me. Friend, I'd love to hear your takeaway. You can email me anytime at steadyonpodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't yet, I would be so grateful if you would subscribe to the podcast or follow it on whatever directory you use to listen. It only takes a second and it guarantees you'll receive every episode. And if someone came to mind as you were listening today, I would love it if you would share the episode with them. Inviting them into what we're doing here is another great way to support the show. Maybe someone just needs to be reminded today that God loves them. Uh, copy the link and send it to him and maybe bless them this Christmas season. I encourage you to tune in on Wednesday for another conversation with a guest sharing how studying the Bible transforms lives. Wednesday's episode is with author and seminary professor, Dr. Brian Russell. And I absolutely loved this conversation with him. Uh, and I loved the way that he shared how studying and teaching the Bible has brought transformation into his life. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. 
peace.